You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Good morning, Radiant Church. So good to see all of you. Hey, if you are new this morning, welcome. Thanks for making Radiant a part of your weekend. My name is Marco. I'm the lead pastor here. Um, I want to just take a few moments. I want to update you on our Heart for the House campaign offering that we've been taking um, to raise money for uh, a new roof and other projects within the church. So here's where we're at, church. We have raised $12,254. Our goal is $35,000. And so let me just first of all say thank you. Thank you for for giving. Thank you for being generous. And I would love to just invite you, those who haven't given, to pray about what you might give uh, above and beyond the tithe to help us with these projects. And I told you before that we already had 90% of what we needed in the bank. But what this money does is it helps us to kind of make sure that we don't, we don't deplete our savings and end up in a, in a spot where we have nothing left. And, and, of course, what if we don't get all the money? Well, here's what, here's what will happen. We'll still, we'll still do the projects, okay? They'll just be a bit slower. They'll happen a bit slower than, than what I would like, but that's okay. So, listen, here's where we're at as far as the roof goes. Now, Bear Roofing Company has talked to us, and they, they, they said that the Dow Event Center, they're working, I should say, right now, on the Dow Event Center, and uh, they're expected to be done in, in a few more weeks, and they're a bit behind because of the rain, uh, and when they're about three weeks out, they will let us know, okay? So I'm kind of anticipating, and this is not a promise, but I'm, I'm anticipating probably by the end of October, somewhere in there, uh, maybe beginning of November, they will begin work on our roof, okay? So uh, other projects that we're looking at are the uh, some new air conditioners, which we've already been pricing out for the kids' classrooms. We're going to update some of our men's bathrooms, and hopefully we're going to bring some more updates, continual updates to Sound Booth, the media team, so that we can increasingly um, grow uh, in our technology here for the online experience, okay? So again, I would just love for you to pray. It's going to remain open until we really begin this project. Uh, that amount of time, pray about what you would give. And and for some of you, I know that that might be 20 bucks. Others of you, uh, that could be $200. And and yet others of you, you just financially uh, well, and that could be $2,000. I would just want you to be led by the Holy Spirit in what you would give for this cause. So thank you so much for your faithful generosity, church. And let's move on. (laughs) Today, we are in part number six of our sermon series entitled, Be Radiant. And we've got one more week of this series. And in this series, we are discussing what does it mean to be radiant? What makes us radiant? In other words, what are the core values of a radiant church? And when we met last week, we talked about this idea that we are a Servant-hearted church. We're, we're a servant-hearted church. Hey, I want to thank you because um, several of you filled out Team Radiant applications after that message. So you responded to the Word of God. That's all good. I'm appreciative of that. And so we are becoming a servant-hearted church. You know, here's the, here's the message from last week, is that each of us are looking for significance. 
We all want to feel like we're important, like we're needed. Not a person on the planet, right, who doesn't want this. However, Jesus says that we're looking in all the wrong places, that we're looking at our wealth, that we're looking at pleasure, that we're looking at the things of this world to find significance, our physical appearance, whatever it is. I mean, you name it. Jesus says we're looking in the wrong places. He says if you want to be great, if you want significance, serve. Be a servant. Serve at home. Serve your spouse. Serve your kids. Serve in the local church. Serve in the community, right? But be a servant. And so we want to be a servant-hearted church here at Radiant. Now, today's value is this. We are a purposefully prayerful church. Don't, don't say that three times because I have a mess with you. Man, I don't know why I phrased it this way. But anyways, we are a purposefully prayerful church. Suckering succotash, right? And so, <laughs> all right. so here's the idea. Jesus prioritized prayer in his life. And as his church, we want to do the same thing. We want to be a praying church, okay? We want to be a praying church. Because here's what I thoroughly believe. I believe this. I believe that cities are changed by the power of God through the prayers of his people. Cities are changed, all right? Listen to this. By the power of God through the prayers of his people. Let me bring it home just a bit more for you. Families, families, individual families are changed by the power of God through the prayers of his people. Let me keep going for you. Marriages are saved by the power of God through the prayers of his people. Right? We, we can go on and on and on, okay? But you get my point here. And what I want to do is I want to just have us focus in on one single verse. And we'll look at many others, but we're going we're gonna to start with one single verse this morning. And it comes from Peter. And we know Peter, again, was one of the closest disciples to Jesus, and notice what Peter says here, 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 7 here. He says this, The end of all things is near. <clears throat> Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that, so there's the reasons, there's the result, here's what we should be doing, so that you may pray. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, be, be awake, pay attention, right? You have sober mind, clear judgment, don't let anything alter your judgment, so that you may pray. So let's do that right now. Let's just take a moment to pray, and then we'll go further with the rest of our message. Let's pray together. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for your presence that's already with us, God. Um, Lord, I've just been dwelling on this. I just I thank you so much, God, that you know each and every one of us in this room, God. You know all the people listening online as well, God, watching and listening online. And God, because you know us, God, you know the things that bring us stress. <laughs> God, you know the things that cause us anxiety. God, you know the burdens that we brought in this morning, Lord. You know the things that have been weighing on our minds and our hearts, God. God, you, you know the, 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 the stressors for our families, Lord. God, you know the things that make us uneasy. And you also know the things that bring us great joy, God. 
And so, Lord, because you know us, because you know when we sit, you know when we fall asleep, God, would you just meet us in this place this morning, God? Each and every one of us, God, corporately but also as individuals. God, you know whose marriages need help. God, you know maybe what we're experiencing with our kids, the struggles and the obstacles that we're facing with our children. And because you know all these things, God, would you open our hearts to you? Would you open blind eyes? Would you unlock deaf ears, God? And do a work this morning in us, God. Stir up your people, renew your church, God, and bring revival. As we love you, as we follow you, as we obey you, we thank you for it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in the King James Version of the Bible, in James chapter 5, the half-brother of Jesus, he says it like this, and this is the King James, so hear me. He says this, The effectual, fervent prayer of the righteous, of a righteous man, availeth much. I know most of us don't read the King James Version. So, let me state this in the NIV. The NIV makes it a bit more simple for us to understand. James says this, The prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I love that. The prayers of a righteous person, powerful. They're, they're powerful. They're effective. What's the word effective mean? Well, I think we could even make it a bit more simple for all of us to understand this. So I, I might say it like this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and produces results. I don't know if you knew that. You might, maybe some of you haven't, you don't know that. You forgot, you may have forgotten about it, and I, I get that. But the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and it produces results. Isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing? When you, when you pray, it produces results. And I get it, it doesn't always produce the results we want to see right away, immediately, you know, snap of a finger. It doesn't work that way. But God's word tells us. It's powerful, and it produces results. And that begs the question for all of us, for myself included, when is the last time we prayed, right? When is the last time we prayed? Let me tell you a quick story, um, a personal story about my wife and I. We've been praying, and um, for about maybe two or three months, we've been praying about the house next door to us. The previous owners had to move out, and unfortunately, they left the house in uh, pretty terrible condition. And so we were a bit worried, like, oh, my gosh, that the house is going to sit empty. Um, the grass is going to grow, like, five feet high, and it's going to be this blemish on the neighborhood. And so we began to pray, God, would you have someone buy this house that would see it as an investment? They would have the money to put forth to renovate it, make it beautiful once again, and then sell it. So we've been praying this prayer for about two or three months and we knew of another house down the street where the same thing happened. It was kind of falling apart. Somebody bought it as an investment. They renovated it. took about a year or so, and they sold it. And the house is beautiful now. So sure enough, last night about 6 p.m., someone comes knocking on our door. Our kids run to the door because they love, they, they love it when someone rings the doorbell, right? And so uh, Ezra, my son, is like, Dad, it's a complete stranger. I'm like, oh, interesting. Reassuring, son, all right. We're like, okay, you know, it's like, 
So we go up there, and he's like, hi, my name is so-and-so. He's like, I just want to let you know, we, we, we bought the house next door, and we're going to renovate it. We're like, yes, right? He's like, it's going to take us about two years, though. And he's like, here's my number, and he, or I'll give you my number, and I want, I want, just in case there are any complaints on your part. And I think we already have a seller, or a buyer, excuse me. And so we're just like, in our minds, like, yes. Like, and so, you know, he leaves, very kind man. He leaves, and we close the door, and we're like, like high-fiving each other, like, yes, property value going up, and like, right, neighborhood gets better. I mean, come on, it's just a practical, if you own a home, do you know what I'm saying, right? No one wants the house next to them to sit empty and desolate and then just fall apart. No one wants that. I mean, seriously, right? And so we've been praying this prayer, and guess what? The Lord answered our prayers. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that so cool, right? The prayers of a righteous person, powerful and effective, Produces results. I know that, again, and I'm not saying that because prayer is powerful and because prayer produces results, it doesn't mean that we have a perfect life. It doesn't mean that we'll live a perfect life. It doesn't mean that uh, everything will always go our way. It, it doesn't mean that. We can, I think we can all acknowledge that. But here's what it does mean, church. It means this. It means that prayer invites God to move in to our personal lives in a very real way. It's an invitation. God, I want you to move in my household, move in my neighborhood. God, I want to see you move in my church. It invites him to move in your life in a very real and practical way. It doesn't mean that you're going to get everything that you pray for exactly like you prayed for because God's ways are higher. His thoughts are high. He knows more than you. Hello, right? Isaiah says his thoughts are, he's got a bigger plan than most of us, than all of us can see. But the prayer of a righteous person, those who are righteous in Christ, are powerful. They're effective. And Peter here, what we just read in 1 Peter 4, 7, Peter is writing to a dispersed group of people, Jewish people, who are in Asia Minor, all over Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And Peter is writing to them because um, they're experiencing a lot of suffering, a lot of persecution. And Peter's reminder is, is, is to all of them, hey, stay faithful. Because I know you want to tap out. But stay faithful. Remain in God's Word. Remain. Obey Christ. Stay faithful. Now, here's what we know about that time and age. While there was not an official government policy against Christianity, we do know that it was probably the Emperor Nero of the Roman Empire, Roman Emperor Nero, who was in control in that time. Some of you have may, may have heard of the Great Fire of A.D. 64. And Nero actually started this fire and it caused great damage, and he never wanted to fess up to him starting that fire. So what Nero did was blame Christians. He turned all of society against the church. And so therefore, what happened? Persecution, suffering, and hardships. And Peter says, stay vigilant, because one day God will vindicate you. One day, this thing will end and we win. 
but stay faithful. Don't tap out. Don't run away. Stay faithful. Be alert. Be awake. Be ready. Why? So you can pray. So you can pray. So you can what? Be devoted to prayer. And let me just say it like this. Here's the idea. When we pray purposeful prayers, we can expect to see God move personally in our city and in our region. Okay? I know that's a simple statement, but I want it to take hold of your hearts this morning. Okay? When we pray purposeful prayers, praying on purpose, okay? Praying for specific things on purpose. That's what I mean. Not just sort of the casual when I'm driving and blah, 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 blah. Not just the sitting down, praying for your meal. That's good. Don't get me wrong. That's good. If, if that's where you're at, I'm happy for you. Like, that's awesome. Keep moving forward. I'm not against you, okay? But I'm talking about purposeful prayers where we pray for specific things. We're praying God's will for our families, for our communities, right? We'll expect to see God move personally in our city and in our region. And did you notice that Peter says the end of all things is near? The end of all things is near. In other words, Peter was saying the return of Christ could happen at any time. That's what Peter was saying. That's back then, okay? That's back, that's, that's back in history he was saying that, that the return of Jesus was at hand. Can I just tell you? that the return of Jesus was at hand then, and the return of Jesus is at hand right now. Okay? The return of Jesus could happen anytime. You need to know this, okay? But the return of Jesus could happen at any time. And can I just tell you, as a pastor, I feel a sense of urgency because of the words of Jesus. And I want to, I want to point you to a passage in just a moment. In Matthew 24, this is known as the Olivet Discourse. It's Matthew 24 and 25. It's Mark 13, and it's also Luke 21. Those are the parallel passages. We're not going to go through the whole thing. It's a lot. I spent a whole weekend with our staff at Radiant Church. We went on a retreat um, on the west side of the state, and I taught on the Olivet Discourse for about an hour and a half. So we just went to town. We went deep, okay? But today we're just going to scratch the surface just a bit. But in the Olivet Discourse, Jesus is giving his disciples a glimpse of the end of the age. Okay? So let's look at Matthew 24, 1 through 8. Because as Peter, Peter says this, the end of all things is near. It was near then, it's near now. Let's talk about this. Matthew 24, beginning in verse number 1. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. So they're looking at the temple. They're kind of in awe of everything. Do you see all these things? He asked, Jesus speaking now. Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be what? Thrown down. He's predicting the destruction of the Jewish temple. That's what Jesus is doing here. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said. So they're intrigued now, right? Jesus has caught their attention. When will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars 
and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked when these things happen. Such things must happen. They have to happen. But the end is still to come. That's not the end, Jesus is saying. It's still to come, he says. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And then verse number 8. All these are the beginning of birth pains. All these are the beginning of birth pains. So again, here, here's the context. Jesus gives his disciples a glimpse of what? Of the return, his return, of the end of the age, and of the judgment of God's enemies. Pretty powerful message that Jesus has for his disciples here. And Jesus commands his followers, if you read the rest of 24 and 25, he commands his followers to what? To be ever ready for his return. To be ready, to be alert, to be awake. It's a strong motivation for all of us, what? To remain faithful and to remain obedient to his word. That's what this is. So Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple. Okay? His disciples are like, what? That's going to happen? Are you, are, you, are you serious, Jesus? Right? And so they are wondering, when will the destruction of the temple take place? And when will the end of the age take place? Two different questions. Now, here's what the Jewish people thought in that time. They thought this. The disciples thought this. They believed that when the temple was destroyed, the end of the age would happen immediately after. Okay? They saw them as being two events very, 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 very close to one another. Now, in reality, what Jesus is telling his disciples is this. He's saying the destruction of the temple is like the first domino in a series of about 500 dominoes. But when that one gets pushed over, what happens? Right? The rest of the dominoes begin to fall. So Jesus is saying the destruction of the temple will take place, and then a series of events will take place over what? A long period of time. That's what Jesus is actually trying to say to his disciples. What do we know from history? We know that the Temple was destroyed, don't we? We know this. In AD 70, General Titus, Roman general, came into Jerusalem. There was a great uproar, a bloody battle where many Jewish people were killed, and they totally obliterated the temple. The city was on fire. It was a great battle. You can look, just look it up online and whatnot. And the temple was destroyed. Now, to put it plainly, let me just say this. We've been living in the end times ever since the destruction of the temple in AD 70. Okay? We've been living in the end times ever since the destruction of the temple in AD 70. Why? Because the temple being destroyed was the first domino to be pushed over in a series of many, 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 many dominoes. Okay? But what does Jesus say? This is so interesting. Jesus says these... and. After all these events, these are but what? Birth pains. Birth pains. What do we know about birth pains? Well, we know this. When they happen more frequently, closer together, contractions, and when they happen with greater intensity, we can expect an arrival, right? The arrival, the arrival of a new baby. That's the illustration that Jesus is trying to paint for his 
disciples. I remember um, when my wife was pregnant with Ezra, her contractions began. Every husband knows this. They begin to happen more frequently with more intensity, right? And you're like, okay, oh boy, we're getting closer here. We're getting closer. And then one day, one morning, my wife whoosh, grabs my arm and is like, it's time to go. It's like, okay, honey, we're going. And we grab that overnight bag and we rush to the hospital. And sure enough, just a few hours later, October or April, sorry. <laughs> and I only got two kids. Y'all that got five or six or whatever, I'm praying for you. Let me read my notes. April 11th. 2017, just a few hours later, my son was born. But listen, the birth pains were happen, happening more frequently and with greater intensity. Can I just tell you, I think we're living in a time where that's happening. I think that the birth pains are, we're experiencing birth pains, and they're happening more frequently and with what? With greater intensity, with greater intensity. We already talked about the temple, so let me move on. Let me talk about that passage once more, though. Let's keep, let's keep diving into those words of Jesus. Jesus talks about this great deception, or what we call a deception and apostasy. What's apostasy? Because some of you are like, I don't know what that means. Apostasy means a great falling away. Paul tells Timothy that many hearts will grow cold. Many will fall away. And we're seeing that already. I, I'm seeing it personally in the life of the church, where people fall away and they never come back. We live in a postmodern age that says there is no such thing as objective truth, that you, each and every one of us can define truth on our own terms. We've become a law unto ourselves, you see? We live in an age where we are seeing the faith being deconstructed by those who were once or who we thought were Christians at least. They were at church, they were serving, they're on fire, doing great things for God. And you're like, oh man, they're so great. And all of a sudden you don't see them anymore. And then later on, they're like, hey, you know what? I no longer believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I did a little bit of research and I don't believe in the resurrection anymore. I think that's not true. Um, I also don't like that Bible passage in um, Joshua. Oh yeah, and I don't like it when blah, 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 whatever it is. And so I no longer believe what I used to believe. I've abandoned my faith. They've deconstructed the faith only to abandon it. I think it's good to deconstruct to rebuild. I think that's good. But we see many in our culture deconstructing to what? To abandon it completely. And we see this with, quote, unquote, celebrity pastors or celebrity, celebrity worship leaders saying the same thing. And and, and all of the world is shocked, and many people are like, oh, good for you. You're, you're, you're enlightened. Oh, they're cheering them on. People are cheering them on. That's awesome. You're, man, that's, Christianity is so oppressive. And it's, oh, man, it's so narrow-minded and bigoted. Oh, good for you, man. I'm so glad you're progressing. And the world is cheering them on, right? And so we're seeing this happen at a greater rate, I feel like, more so than ever before. What else are we seeing? We're seeing... Jesus says there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Now, I'm not going to say much about this, but I, I'll just say this, that we all, I think most of us know that the Middle East has been a constant hotbed of conflict, right? But it seems like, I just, maybe this is just my opinion, it seems like the conflict is growing greater and with more intensity and frequency as time goes on. 
And can I just say this, that Israel's enemies are becoming even more bold? It seems like the conflict is just growing at a rapid rate. Jesus says this, nation against nation will rise against each other, kingdom against kingdom. Did you know that the word nation in the Greek is the Greek word ethnos? And ethnos is where we get the word ethnic. In other words, ethnic groups, different ethnic groups will rise up against other ethnic groups. Do we not see that in our country? Do we not see that around the world at an increased rate, at a more intense rate? I think we do. And I feel like some of these birth, the, the birth pains, remember, are not, it's not the end. It's not the, Jesus said that, not me. The birth pains, it's not the end. It's, the, it's opening the, the door for the end, okay? The birth pains happening more rapidly open the door. Jesus also says, hey, look out for famines. Look out for earthquakes. So I did a little bit of research, and I went to the United States Geological Survey website. And according to this website, they have said that this year alone, there have already been 109 earthquakes in the U.S. and around the world with a magnitude of at least 2.1. Okay? Most of us know of the recent great earthquake last month, August 14th, in Haiti. Now, that was an earthquake with a magnitude of 7.2. And that, listen, can I just tell you, that destroyed over 53,000 homes or buildings. Now, that was on a Saturday. And just a few days later, on a Tuesday, the, the Tuesday right at, that follows, Tropical Storm Grace moved in, just kind of ravaging the region while people were still trying to dig out of the rubble. Now, on top of that, what's happening? A global pandemic. On top of that, in Haiti, political instability. And when you add all those things together, what do you get? Chaos. And I'm not saying it's just there. I'm, have you looked at Australia and the draconian like requirements that the government? I mean, they're beating people up and like you can't, pastors are getting thrown in jail because they can't even have people outside. And if you're wearing a mask standing 20 feet away from each other, you can't worship still. I mean, it's, it's getting crazy. It's getting crazy. Like, I mean, seriously, this is why Jesus says, be alert, stay awake. Like, no, don't watch 24-hour news. That's a bad idea, okay? But be aware. Be awake. Don't bury your head in the sand. I understand. Listen, as Christians, that's a temptation for most of us. I don't know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? I don't care. I get that. But I think, it's, I think we need to be aware. I think we need to be alert. I think, I think we need to be awake. Why? Because Jesus tells us this. That's why. We're seeing this happen in our world right now. Of course, listen, Jesus says the gospel will be proclaimed throughout the world, and then the end will take place. He says that. And we're also seeing that. Why? Because of technology. Technology allows us to share the gospel all over the world, and now missionaries are being sent to, you know, indigenous groups and tribes and all of those things. I'm not claiming that it's, it's reached all over the world quite yet or every single people group, but it surely is it's getting there, rapidly getting there, right? And so listen, Jesus essentially describes this period of time where we're going to experience um, great social and political upheaval. Do you not see that right now? I mean, I've never seen so much division in our country. Never. Have I seen so much division between red states and, and, and 
blue states and just the, the war and the words and the division that's taking place around us. Jesus says it's going to be a time of persecution where the church is going to be persecuted. So don't be shocked. Don't be surprised. Don't be alarmed. It's going to happen. We just get, we got to, we just, can we just be in agreement? It's going to happen. You're not going to be loved by the world. So, you know, stop just trying to be everybody's best friend. Like, it's just not going to happen at all times. Yes, love people. Be kind. Yeah, absolutely. But listen, we're going to be hated. We're going to be persecuted. That's just going to happen, all right? Tribulation is going to take place. Apostasy, people are going to fall away. Deception and evangelistic enterprise. But Jesus says this, listen, these events are but birth pain, and they open the door for the coming of the kingdom of God. And I believe that we're seeing all these things now in an increasing, in an increasing manner. Let me just share something that I believe. I've shared this with a few of you already, um, but I haven't shared it like on the, the platform here. I believe that 2020 was the great accelerator. That's what I believe. 2020 was the great accelerator. Riots and chaos and division and pandemic. And that always, for some reason, 2020 was just like the accelerator. Just, just started ramping everything up. I think 2020 was the great accelerator. Now, I'm not here to claim to know when Jesus will return. <laughs> okay? Jesus makes that very clear. Okay? No one knows but the Father. Okay? But as a pastor, can I just say this? As a pastor, I want us to be prepared. So I don't know if it's one year from now or 100 years from now. I don't know that, okay? So I'm not claiming to know that, okay? But I want us to be prepared. I want us to have a sobering view of what's taking place in our world so that we might pray, so that we can be prepared. Why? Because, listen, a praying church, listen, a praying church is a church prepared for the bridegroom, Jesus, okay? How do we respond to this? Do we, do, should we be afraid? Should we run? I mean, what, what do we do? No, I don't think we should do any of those things. I think our response is to be a praying church. Okay? I said it earlier. A praying church is a church prepared to meet the bridegroom. A praying church is equipped and prepared for an end-time revival which I believe will take place. When? I don't know. I don't know that. I want us to be prepared, obviously, okay? I want you to notice what Jesus says to his disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane before his betrayal. So this is really cool because this passage of Scripture is hot off the heels of the Olivet Discourse, okay, where Jesus is talking to his disciples, hey, be ready, be on watch, be on guard, Okay? Matthew 26, verse 40 and 41. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Just one hour. He asked Peter, watch and pray, watch and pray, watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Can I just tell you that the command here to watch and pray was not only relevant for the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, it's relevant for all of us today, right now. Right? It's relevant for all of us today, right now. It's the message for the church today. Let me say it like this. Our greatest temptation is to move into a perpetual state of ease 
and comfort. Jesus, however, calls us to a state of perpetual readiness. You and I, we're, we're all moving. We're trying to move more into comfort. We're trying to move more to ease. Better sofas, bigger boats, bigger houses, better vacations. Woo, ease and comfort. Yeah, baby, on the beach, sleeping. We're, I'm, I'm there with you. I'm there. So I'm not even trying to say anything about you. I'm saying I'm, I'm, I'm moving, and Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out, time out, time out. You need to be in a state of perpetual readiness. Nothing wrong with a vacation, so don't hate me, okay? Nothing wrong with a nice sofa. I like nice sofas too. I'm just, I'm trying to give you an example. Our greatest temptation is to fall asleep. Our greatest temptation is to be distracted with what? With money, because we love money. With material possessions, because we like more stuff. Nicer cars, because we like those too. Better entertainment, because we don't have enough channels. And you name it. Our greatest temptation is to move more into comfort, move into ease, move into what? Sleep. And we're lulled to sleep by the things around us. And if we're lulled to sleep, guess what? We're not a church prepared to meet her bridegroom. Can I just tell you that I have been on the Olivet Discourse for a year now. I cannot get away from it. I keep coming back to it. I keep coming back to it. And for that reason... I feel like now it's time to kind of make this public. Like this, is, this has been on my heart for a while. 2020 was a great accelerator. Peter says, the end of all things is near. Be alert of sober mind so that you may pray. So that you may pray. So here's what we're going to do. How are we going to do this practically as a church? Here's what we're going to do. Here's what, here's what I feel God calling us to do, okay? Starting next month, October, we're going to begin monthly seek nights of prayer and worship, okay? Monthly seek nights of prayer and worship. October 20th, November 17th, December 15th, 6.30 to 7.30, and we're going to do it for one hour because I think that's relevant. What Jesus says, could you not tarry with me? Could you not pray for just one hour? We're going to do it for one hour, and I know, I know that it's a school night. I, 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 hey, I get all that stuff. So we didn't want it to go too late, so 7.30. As soon as 7.30 hits, you got to go, you got to go. I get it. Go home, be with your family, get the kids to bed. You know, all those things need to, need to take place. I agree. 6.30 to 7.30, just one hour, just one hour. And we're going to come together, and we're going to worship, and we're going to pray. Now, let me just say this. Here is my goal. This is going to just happen indefinitely now. That's, that's, my, that's my goal. One person excited. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> After about nine months or maybe a year of one month, once a month, I want us to move into twice a month. And then I want us to move into every week. So we're going to have our Sundays, and I'm going to preach the Word of God, and we're proclaiming, preaching the Bible, we're going to teach the Bible, okay, because that's relevant still, believe it or not. We're going to worship, but we're going to teach the Bible, and then we're going to come together another night of the week to what? To worship and to pray. To sit at the feet of Jesus. To make room 
for the Spirit of God to work, right? To be a Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus, not a Martha who was distracted by many things. So my goal, my heart, is that eventually we would move into a once a week. Now, that might take a while, and I understand that, and I'm okay with that, okay? And when we come together, we're going to do something that we call harp and bull worship. The term harp and bull simply means this. It comes from John chapter 5 and Revelation, or John chapter 5, Revelation chapter 5. John wrote it, okay? Revelation chapter 5, where we see the angels are around the throne of God, and they come, they approach with the harp and with the bull. And the harp represents worship, and the bull, John says it himself, you can read it, the bull is the incense or the prayers of God's people that are reaching heaven, right? Reaching, ministering to God. Those two things are to be connected Worship and prayer. So these are not just nights of worship where the band does or, or where a couple people do 18 songs. No, no, no. It's going to be worship and prayer. In other words, we're going to lead what? I'm going to lead for the first several months. I'm going to lead those. Purposeful prayers. They're going to be purposeful prayers. In other words, I'll come up on stage. Let me just give you a, a, a brief picture. I'm going to open the night up. I'm going to read a psalm. read something from Scripture. Pray into that a little bit. Let the band take over for two or three songs, come back up, and I'm going to pray a theme for that night. Hey, we're praying for the lost tonight. I'm praying out of Matthew chapter whatever it is, whatever it is. I'll read that, and then I'm going to pray scripture. And then what's going to happen is, let me just give you a sneak peek so none of you are shocked. What's going to happen is the singers are going to respond to my prayer with spontaneous prayers that are sung. Kind of a little bit of spontaneity. When they do that for a few moments or a minute or so or two minutes, whatever it is, then they might sing a repeatable chorus that's not part of the original song that was written. It could be a repeatable chorus, and those lyrics are coming from heaven. They're just lyrics that are in, down, like sort of you know, downloaded from heaven, so to speak. And then, what, what, and then I'll pray some more, and then they'll respond. And then I'll pray, and then they'll respond. And then I might walk off, walk off and they'll do a familiar song. Okay? This is harp and bowl. This is what we call harp and bowl. This is, it seems like it's totally spontaneous, but there's structure to it, okay? There's structure. God is not opposed to structure, by the way. God said that the temple, the tabernacle, had to be built a specific way to host the presence of God. He didn't just say, hey, go ahead and do whatever you want in the temple, in the, the tabernacle, okay, I don't care where pieces go. No, God was like, Moses, you're going to do this, you're going to do this. It's very structured so that it can host the presence of God, okay? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start this next month and... And we'll, we'll be sure to advertise these things, okay? Now, here's what we know. We know this. We know that God responds to his people, to his people's prayers. And we also know this, that God sends revival to those who cry out. God sends revival to those who cry out, okay? Now, here's one more thing we're going to do. We're also going to have prayer partners each night, each time we do this. And prayer partners are going to come up midway through the, the night, and they're going to be on the sides and they're going to pray with you as well. So if you need prayer, we'll have a couple couples that will pray with you. Okay, I'll invite them up, and you'll know when that happens. And if you're in a, in a place where you're hurting, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to encourage you. Okay, We want to pray with you. Because prayer moves the heart of God, right? Now, I told you earlier that we're going to do once a month, and hopefully the goal is eventually to do it four times a month, or maybe even more. My prayer is this. My prayer is that um, oh, well, let me just say this. Let me back up. In order for us to do this, hey, let me just humbly ask you, we're going to need more servants in the house of God. 
We're going to need more servants in the house of God. We're going to need some extra people to, to run the slides. It's not going to be a big light show, so we're not going to need a light person. Uh, we'll need a sound guy to do a simple three-piece band. It'll be stripped down, less production, not as loud probably. Um, we're not here to put on a show, okay? That, that night, that's night, that's a night, it's not about the show. It's about the prayer of God's people. We're not coming to see a show. We're not coming to be like, oh, I can't wait to see the lights. No. <laughs> we're coming to worship and to pray, okay? But we're going to need more people um, to help in those areas. I'm going to need maybe a, a person each night to be by the door to kind of watch who's coming in, just kind of be um, some eyes and ears for us. Um, I'm going to need more prayer partners, and um, I'm going to be selective with that. So if you want to be a part of that, I'm going to train you. Uh, I feel like it's my, my responsibility. I don't want just anyone praying for anybody. Or as far as prayer partners go, I want to train you. I want to sit down with you. Where are you at? Because I'm only going to I, I want mature Christians, okay? So those who have been in the faith, those who have a walk, who display the fruits of the Spirit, Again, I'm pretty particular about that part, okay? My prayer is that we're going to cultivate more worship leaders. We're going to cultivate, it'll be a pipeline for more musicians, maybe musicians that are not quite ready for Sunday, but since we're not streaming that right away, we're not going to stream it right away, that they would be more comfortable playing to, you know, in front of 30 or 40 people, whatever it is, rather than a Sunday morning, which is a, the production level goes up significantly, okay? So my prayer is that we're going to get more young people playing the piano, guitar, electric, drums, all those things, okay? It's going to be a pipeline. But in order for us to get to that place, I will need more of you, okay? So we'll do it. Um, if you can put that slide up one more time, Missy, if you wouldn't mind. And we'll do it for October, um, November, and December. And again, we'll advertise this. Up. We'll, we'll keep it in front of you, okay? And then once the new year takes place, we'll, we'll put it on the calendar, Again, and we'll let you guys know this, and we'll, we'll keep putting it in front of you. And I understand 7.30 might be late for some of you with families. I get that. You might not be able to be to all of them. I understand that. I get that. I have a family myself, okay? But um, maybe you can take turns to talk to your spouse. Maybe you attend, and your spouse stays home with the kids, um, and then you, you switch up, you know, the next month he comes or she comes, whatever, whatever it is. So talk to your spouse so that you might be able to attend maybe every other month at first, you know, 1 Peter 4, 7 says this one more time. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So that you may pray. Let me say this, church. A dark world needs a praying church. A dark world needs a praying church. And I'm, I'm, I'm afraid that if we don't move in this direction... I'm afraid that we're going to miss what God wants to do in our region. And we're not going to be equipped or prepared for revival. Here's what I believe. I believe that renewal comes before revival. God needs to wake some of us up here before he's going to reach the lost. Because if we're not ready for it and we're fooling around and we're acting a fool and we're distracted by all the worldly things... He's not going to send them to Radiant. He's going to send them somewhere else. I'm just being real with y'all. God wants the church to be a praying and worshiping church. You know, John Wesley, the great evangelist in history, says this, prayer is where the action is. Prayer is where the action is. So on those nights, I want you to come in. I want you to bring your Bible, okay? Hopefully like a real one, like pages. Remember those things? You flip them. 
real Bible. Bring a real Bible with you. And it might be a little dark, so I get it. Bring a notepad because God always speaks in prayer. So bring a notepad because you might write down thoughts. God might be speaking something to you. That's what we want. That's beautiful. Right? And come ready to receive. Come ready to receive. Okay? Prayer partners, if you want to come up right now, I'm going to end in prayer here in just a moment. I'm going to come up real quick and we'd love to pray with you if you're here needing prayer. Let me just say this really quick. I understand that prayer is very intimidating for some of you. I get that. So that's, that's a reason why you might not come up. Um, but let me just say this. When you come up, hey, listen, none of us are looking for your whole story. So if you don't feel comfortable sharing those things with us, you don't have to. That's none of our business. You can just come up and say, hey, I need prayer for this, and that's it, and leave it at that. My name is, so we'd like to know your name. It would help. And that's it. You don't have to give us your whole story. We're not expecting that, and we understand it's intimidating. But I, I want to just kind of set you at ease just in case. And, um, man, just, just come and receive. It's okay. It's okay. Let me pray for you, and then we'll, we'll close up. God, thank you so much for today. Uh, thank you, God, that we are becoming a purposefully prayerful church, God. And God, as the pastor, I recognize it's a process. It's not going to happen overnight, and that's okay. But Lord, I think this is the season where we move in this direction, God. So Lord, as we begin to pray and worship purposefully, God, would you, God, renew your church? Those who have been distracted by many things, the love of money, the desire of many things, as Jesus as Jesus refers to in Mark chapter 4, parable of the sower, God, may you wake them up. May you make them alert. May you give them a sobering reminder that your return is imminent. And God, as we pray as a church, Lord, would you send revival to our city? God, Bay City has been known for the most bars per capita or whatever it is or in the region. <laughs> and God, we want to be known for righteousness. Our people of God, we want to be known for holiness. We want to be known for our fervor for you, God. So would you change the atmosphere of the city as we pray, God? Would you change us, God? Help us to become prayerful, God. We know that prayer is often met with great resistance, God. <laughs> but would you help us by your Spirit? So Holy Spirit, would you... Remind us of the call to pray, God. The prayers of a righteous person are powerful and they produce results. Would you remind us of that this morning, God? We love you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name.